Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend, and we have lots to talk about in this uh, new week. We're going to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We're going to talk uh, beef trade with Kent Backus with NCBA. Of course, uh, the good news on trade is that the EU opening up to more U.S. beef. That deal was signed. We'll talk about that with Kent of course, all the trade news today, not good. Uh, we've taken a step back with the situation with China. We'll be talking about that in a moment. And also, of course, uh, the big Sturgis motorcycle rally going on. And we're going to talk with Robert White with Renewable Fuels Association. He's out there helping to promote ethanol uh, in the bike community. And we'll get the latest on what's going on out in Sturgis. But right now, let's kick things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, Mike. I'm glad to be with you. I spent uh, the weekend doing a little bit of a road trip across the Midwest, 13 hours in the car yesterday. So it's good to be just back in my office. (laughs) Well, give us your windshield crop report. What did you see? You know, it's a lot better than I expected, actually, you know, and we should be so pleased with the genetics that we're able to use in American agriculture today because we all know how late so many of those crops got in the field. But we drove from Kansas City through um, the middle section of Iowa to our home farm in eastern Iowa and down to Missouri again, and uh, there's a lot of good-looking crops, but I have to say those folks near Hannibal, which... uh, you know that area well, Mike. Uh, there are a lot of fields that were so flooded for a long time. A lot of folks just never got in the field. So kind of a mixed bag, but uh, the corn that's out there looks pretty good. Yeah, and uh, a week from today, there'll be a lot of attention on the the August crop report. Absolutely. So we'll see how everything from USDA's perspective caught up. Yeah, we'll see what they have to say. Meanwhile, of course, the news, um, it was a somber week in any way with the terrible shootings that took place. Uh, But on the trade front, on the trade front, uh, it looks like the situation, the tensions between China just continue to get worse. They do, and it's not clear what, if anything, really progressed when our U.S. negotiating team was in China last week. The good news, I thought, coming out of that is that they still agreed to keep talking. But as you all saw this morning, uh, China has dropped the price of its currency to 11-year lows. Uh, The president tweeting this morning, it's called currency manipulation, and was asking the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve to do more to combat what the Chinese are able to do with their currency And so there's a a lot of pressure on both sides to have something happen. But in the meantime, the markets are looking at this and saying it does not look good. So um, uh, I think a lot more pessimism today than we had last week. Yeah, I mean, for right now, it looks like uh, we're not going to be selling them as far as ag products. It may not be selling them anything now for a while. Absolutely. I mean, 
the president has complained again after the talks that the Chinese had agreed to buy more agricultural products. They did not. They had agreed to stop sales of fentanyl. They did not. So there has not been substantial uh, movements made from the Chinese to deal with the promises that were made several months ago. So, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we're going to continue to watch closely is just how much pressure President Xi is getting from his own party in terms of trying to deal with the situation. And he's got some hardliners who apparently are, are pushing back really strongly on any efforts the U.S. has made to try to get structural reforms in the country. And so you're seeing this uprising of uh, nationalist pride in China to kind of offset what the U.S. is pushing for. So he's got his own issues at home, and certainly President Trump has got to keep his eye on the election coming up. So all those factors at play make it even more difficult. Yeah, both sides really digging in at this point, and we'll see, you know, as the pressure mounts on both sides uh, where we might start seeing some breaks, uh, maybe a a break here or there that would allow an opening to move forward, but right now not looking too good. It does look much better with Japan, though, doesn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, that was a bright spot in terms of the discussions that went on that we, you know, might yet get a mini deal on, on ag or at least that there's a... People are leaning in, uh, as opposed to the high-stakes game of chicken that seems to be going on between the U.S. and China on agricultural trade. This one seems to be looking uh, much better. And then, of course, we were really pleased to be invited to the White House for the announcement with the EU on beef. And I know you're going to be talking more about that, but that was a big day. We'd we'd broken that story in June, but the fact that the president was uh, signing the deal on Friday was good news for beef producers. Yeah, and we need all the good news we can get uh, for sure. You know, here we are. Congress is on recess unless they get called back. Uh, state fairs, farm shows, a lot of different things going on. So among the things they'll be hearing about are trade deals and USMCA. It'll be interesting to see what mindset they come back from this recess with as far as moving on that. Absolutely. Um, Our team will be out at the Iowa State Fair, so if any of your listeners are there, Phil Brasher, Ben Mully, Hannah uh, Pagel, will all be at the Iowa State Fair at different times trying to track down the candidates to ask if they're going to be supportive of passage of USMCA and where they are on other trade deals. And I think that there's going to be a lot of discussions going on as candidates are traveling around their districts And it's a great time to be asking, are you going to support passage this fall when they come back? Uh, Because there has to, you know, we've got just a few months once they come back to get this deal done. And Mexico's already signed off. It looks like Canada's going to do the same. So where's the U.S. going to be? Yeah, and as we've talked many times, there's a real urgency to get that done this year. Absolutely. It needs to get done, give people certainty to move forward, and it also can give our other trading partners a signal that we can actually complete a deal. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a good sign in itself that we can get something done in this very polarized Congress. All right, Sarah, glad you've had safe travels. Thanks uh, for being with us, and we'll talk again next week. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. She mentioned her team will be at the Iowa State Fair. 
A week from today, I'll be broadcasting from the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia, Missouri. I'll be broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building next Monday. If you're going to be around there, would love to talk with you. Stop by and, and uh, see us there and look forward to talking with you. Coming up next, what's the week ahead look like as far as weather is concerned? Some areas really could use some rain. We'll see if they're going to get that uh, much-needed precipitation or not. What about temperatures? We'll talk with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Complete look at the weather forecast coming up next and what he sees uh, throughout the month of August and into this fall. So stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it, but only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors, waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us now to discuss the latest round of market facilitation program payments is USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. How did you come up with your amounts for dairy and pork producers? It was looking at the taking the same formula that we look at for crops, being able to look at how the commodity was being impacted and divided by the either the number of pigs out there, the amount of production. We were able to, in both of those, uh, also have some of that damage being able to be compensated in purchases. That's a product that goes great in in uh, food banks and other places, but there is a limit to how much you can move that way. Hopefully we'll see some folks that don't normally get a chance to be able to buy milk or, or pork develop more of a taste for it and continue to buy it in the future. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with ETM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, thanks for joining us. Much of the Midwest, not all, but much of the Midwest had a cooler week last week, but a very dry week. Is that going to change this week ahead? It's going to be a little bit more of a uh, mixed pattern across the country this week, Mike. Um, We're going to see uh, rainfall pretty much focus uh, from central Iowa, west and north, and then west and south. Uh, So from... The, uh, from the Red River Valley of the north uh, around Grand Forks, Minnesota, south to southern Missouri, there's going to be a corridor of some pretty heavy rainfall, uh, possibly one to even two-plus inches of rain. And you get farther away from that, uh, from that corridor of rainfall, it's going to tail off quite a bit. Um, eastern Iowa could see maybe a half to one inch of rain, but then from the Mississippi Valley eastward, we're going to be uh, hard-pressed to get rainfall totals of even a half an inch. And so that dry eastern Midwest is still going to be on the dry side when it's all said and done, it looks like. Wow, we have some very dry areas. and Some areas uh, just really got dumped on again last week. Uh, uh, too much rain at, in a short period of time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty remarkable how... Um, out in uh, central Nebraska and then into uh, parts of the upper Midwest, uh, there still has been uh, just the, um, you know, the predilection for rainfall to, to settle in and, uh, and bring these uh, record-breaking amounts. Uh, so that, you know, that's uh, where things uh, have been. It's uh, a, a uh, kind of a uh, hallmark, I guess you could say, a trademark of the upper air pattern that we've got going on with uh, high pressure at the upper levels uh, focusing over the southwestern plains, kind of expanding northward into the uh, central and the north-central plains, and then uh, at the uh, other side of that, uh, upper-level low pressure troughing from Hudson Bay, Canada, south to the Ohio Valley has been pretty well stationary, and it's at the the edges of those two uh, different uh, air masses where we've seen the the uh, storms fire up and the real heavy rains develop, but again on the on the uh, sides uh, of the uh, of those uh, large air masses away from that boundary, it's been pretty hard to scare up any precip. And then you have a contrast in temperatures. Uh, the southwestern plains really cooked last week with a lot of readings over a hundred degrees. And then uh, the eastern Midwest, still dry, but temperatures were only in the 80s. And so there's, you know, the cool and dry, very hot and dry. And then in the middle was where the storms blew up. And uh, they, they certainly did indeed, uh, combining some uh, southwestern monsoon uh, moisture in those uh, occurrences as well. 
really a critical time. We've got some areas, and I, I can look around me here in, in Illinois, with the potential for a good crop, not a great crop, but a good crop, if we get a, a rain or two to help finish it out. And, boy, it looks that's <laughs> sounding hard to come by from what you were just saying. Well, it is, and uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about the uh, the potential for some real uh, notable declines. Uh, we had uh, some correspondence uh, and a couple pictures uh, back and forth with a producer from uh, West Central Illinois, kind of in the Beardstown Rushville area, and uh, in Schuyler County, I believe. And yep. the um, the contrast in uh, corn. Uh, potential on an acreage uh, that uh, that this uh, that this producer uh, shared pictures with me uh, from uh, was a big difference between two years ago. This was a corn soybean rotation, so uh, this particular field was in corn uh, two years ago in 2017, and uh, two years ago that field produced over 260 bushels of corn to the acre. Well, this year the way things are looking. Uh, with these uh, recently dry conditions, fo- you know, uh, following the very late planting that we all know about, um, that field may do well to produce 150 bushels an acre. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the topsoil has gotten very dry recently, and there's just not a whole lot of moisture to, to work with. And, you know, I, I repeat a comment that I made either last week or two weeks ago uh, when, we were, when we were talking about these corn root systems, uh, the idea that, that there's this, uh, you know, that there's this uh, tensile strength taproot that is part of the corn root system that, you know, uh, you know, kind of acts like an auger and goes down to find subsoil moisture and then, you know, thereby save the crop from any sort of stress is, uh, I, I don't know, it's been some kind of a, a collective imagination out there in the trade that I, that I find, um, you know, really, really kind of outrageous, frankly. And uh, I think that uh, we're starting to see more of the impact of how root systems really develop and how dry it has really gotten. Talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, so we got a break last week. Much of the Midwest got a break that we didn't just bake, and we got a break in the temperatures. But what about this week? We've kind of seen them inching back up here into last week and over the weekend. Well, the uh, pattern is still going to be kind of ridge west, trough east, at least through the next uh, four to five days. And uh, temperatures are going to be a, a little bit warmer, still on a seasonal track. And I don't think that we're going to see any real extreme heat. But nonetheless, these, uh, you know, these uh, more seasonal temperatures are certainly going to, um, to take out, uh, you know, continued uh, soil moisture. And, and a feature with that, Mike, is that we are going to get some showers crossing the entire Midwest this week. Uh, you know, with total rainfall, it looks like of around like a third to maybe a half an inch if we, you know, if we uh, have some heavier showers. But with uh, seasonal temperatures that, are, that we are likely to see, uh, that uh, more seasonal temperature pattern is going to pretty well take out that moisture that develops. So when it's all said and done, I don't think that there's going to be any real benefit uh, from the showers across the region for this week. And that's another, you know, kind of, you know, wondering uh, tale uh, out there in the collective psyche of the trade that I find, um, you know, 
interesting at the mildest form is that uh, a half an, the, the idea that a half an inch of rain after a month where rainfall deficits have been two to three inches is all of a sudden just going to, you know, sprinkle this, uh, this magic dust around and, uh, and, you know, completely cure all of these uh, stresses. That's not going to happen. And, uh, again, some showers, but very little in the way of soil moisture benefit. Boy, you're not too cheery this morning. Uh, not much good news coming here from you. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. You know, I, I've, I've decided that, uh, you know, that we need to, we need to address these things the, the way they are presenting themselves, and, and that is the case, particularly after having producers, uh, you know, in a very, in a very nice way, tell me that that, you know, things aren't looking the best out here. And uh, so that is the, you know, that's important, I think, to bring to mind. Um, at the tail end of the season, I should mention, at this point, uh, it does not look to us like we are in line for an early end of the season with a frost date. So we have that going for us. It looks like the growing season is still going to be uh, one that, that extends out. But, um, you know, we've been put behind the eight ball uh, with these uh, heavy rains from the uh, get-go this season, and uh, we just uh, continue to uh, have to uh, kind of uh, collectively, uh, you know, support the entire industry, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, in, in terms of a perspective, just to uh, you know tell everybody that yeah we're we're all thinking about everybody else in terms of uh, getting through a a very tough season. Yeah, so the good news is we may not have an early frost, but the bad news is we may not have very good conditions to help us finish out the crop even with more time. Well, that's and and that's that's the big uh, that's the big question right now that a lot of folks are dealing with and then areas that that have gotten these very heavy rains uh, are are going to be uh, facing uh, some damages from that standpoint uh, with the rainfall just uh, being inundating uh, like they've had to put up with. All right, Bryce, thank you. Uh, you know, wish we had better news, but you call it the way you see it. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Mike. All right, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Well, there was some good news uh, end of last week. That was the big White House ceremony with the uh, signing of the agreement between the U.S. and E.U., to allow more beef into the European Union. We're going to talk about that next with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the significance of that deal and what it could mean for U.S. beef producers. That's up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. 
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rawl for the American Ag Network. After bouncing at the overnight open, corn futures have turned lower, posting notable losses an hour into the trading session. Soybean futures gave up early gains in overnight trade to post losses along with corn and wheat contracts. After a strong start to quarter one, U.S. wheat export sales have tailed off noticeably, which will put a greater emphasis on the back end of the marketing year. Wheat harvest has stalled in the U.S. as high humidity and constant showers have slowed harvest to a crawl in Nebraska and South Dakota. The lack of sunshine and heat has also slowed down maturity. A highly publicized agreement on Friday focused on increased beef trade to the European Union, which is expected to help create some underlining demand support in the near future. This could help to stimulate additional underlining support in the complex through the end of the year. Despite the current pressure in the market, global demand for pork continues to remain strong given increased losses due to African swine fever and the world's growing demand for pork. This is expected to help build a long-term support despite current market direction. On the Board of Trade, August Lean Hogs down $1.30 at $74.97. August Feeders $1.07 lower at $138.55. August Live Cattle down $0.85 at $106.80. For the grain and oil seed sector, nearby core down three cents at three ninety six and a half cent. August soybeans down nine and three quarters at eight forty and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September down three quarters of a cent at five twenty one and a half cent. Kansas City wheat September down three and a half at four eighteen and a fraction of a cent. September Chicago wheat down four and a half at four eighty six and a quarter of a cent. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rawl for the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover key tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So we had some good news into last week with the signing of the uh, 
beef deal between the U.S. and the European Union. Joining us now to talk about it is Kent Backus, Senior Director of International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, I remember talking with you several weeks ago when word of this uh, got out and you said, uh, don't pop the champagne corks just yet because it wasn't a signed deal. I guess now those corks can be popped, right? Well, I think we definitely we definitely put the bottles on ice. We are, uh, you know, we're pretty pretty excited about this announcement. But there's still one step that's left, and that's for the EU Parliament to uh, to take this up, and we expect that sometime this fall. So uh, with the Europeans, I always have a you know, healthy dose of uh, of skepticism there. But you know, I think the fact that uh, they have signed this agreement speaks volumes. I think that it's going to send a a very strong message to uh, to some of our producers who are who have been producing for this NHTC program that uh, you know it's time to it's time to start producing again, and I think it's going to give us some certainty in a market where it's just been very difficult for us for the last few years. Okay, so we won't pop the corks yet, but it's <laughs> it's on ice, right? The champagne's on yeah. ice, right? Okay, yeah, no, All I, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell us. Uh, Tell us what the potential is. First of all, what does this actually, this deal, what does it actually do as far as what beef will now be able to go into the EU that hasn't been able to? So uh, you got to understand the access to the European market is very limited, uh, you know, across the world. Uh, Europe is one of the most protectionist markets, and even those countries who have access still have to pay tariffs on what they're sending into uh, into their market. So this is actually a, a duty-free 35,000 metric ton annual quota that will that will be implemented. Uh, now we're going to phase into that 35,000 metric tons over the next few years, but it will be duty-free, uh, and this will be for beef from non-hormone treated cattle. Uh, this is, in our view, this is this is definitely a temporary uh, you know step in the process. This is this is one step forward towards. You know, having further negotiations for for full market access into the European market, but this gives us some security in a market that, quite frankly, has just been very unpredictable. Uh, we've we've had limited access uh, for the last few years as part of a, a compromise, uh, but you know, to be honest with you, the Europeans have just been very unpredictable. And, uh, and if, if not been the best trading partner, so having an agreement in place that guarantees country-specific access to this, you know, duty-free access, is very important for us. Uh, you know, because they have they've essentially um, made it uh, so unpredictable that market signals have been sent to many of our producers to stop producing for that market, and so we're hopeful that we're going to see that turnaround. So while this is good news. It should not be uh, misinterpreted to think that the door's been swung wide open and we can just flood a lot of beef in into the EU. I mean, it, it's going to allow more, but it's still with restrictions in certain areas, right? That's correct. That's correct. Because even though we have that WTO decision in our favor that says that we that we are right to use hormones that we can that we can use those, the Europeans still have laws that prohibit that, and as a result. Um, you know, you know that's uh, with, just given the size of their their market, uh, it's made it very difficult uh, for us to produce for them. Um, but because they never really abided by this WTO agreement, that gave 
the U.S. the right to retaliate against them, and we did for many years. So this this compromise, this this temporary agreement with us to provide them beef from non-hormone treated cattle should not be viewed as just the U.S. throwing in the towel and capitulating on this WTO ruling. That could be further from the truth, because as these talks continue and as we continue to you know, to push for a bilateral trade agreement with the Europeans. This is something that we're going to talk about. As uncomfortable as it may be for them, uh, we are going to talk about having full access into their market, and that means no restrictions, no tariffs, and letting the market determine uh, what we're we're going to sell uh, to European consumers. And we're a long ways from that, right? Yeah, we are certainly a long ways from that, but I think this is an important step forward, and it certainly gives us a little more uh, predictability and stability in the European market. And there's no doubt, I mean, you can't just underestimate the psychological impact of it. We needed some positive trade news, didn't we? Yeah, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, with markets all over the place uh, for multiple commodities, we needed, we needed a victory here. We needed to see uh, some positive development, and I think we are. I think this also shows that the administration, the Trump administration, is committed to uh, – to still work on agricultural issues, uh, because if we're if we're really honest about it, the Europeans want absolutely nothing to do with U.S. agriculture, and this just put them on the map of of at least uh, being willing to sit down and talk uh, to a certain extent about U.S. ag. So, I think this is a it's an important step not only for the access that it's going to guarantee us into their market, but it also sends the message that uh, you know the Europeans will talk about ag. Uh, but that's going to be a tough conversation when we get there because we embrace science and they don't. And so that's the, that's always going to be a big, not only philosophical difference, but it's going to be a big uh, practical difference as to what we can and can't sell them in their market. We're talking because, Kent, um, it sounds like we're headed towards an agreement with Japan. Is that what uh, you're you're hearing as well? Yeah, I think we're I think we're definitely seeing a lot of positive signs. Uh, you know, we're hopeful that uh, there will be uh, some kind of agreement that's you know, introduced that would that would benefit U.S. agriculture. Obviously, for the beef industry, Japan being our number one market, we certainly want to see that happen. We want to level that playing field because right now we're at a tremendous disadvantage to all the other countries who are still part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership who who have that uh, preferential uh, tariff level over us. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful that we'll see that pretty soon. I think that uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of interest in the United States, but also interest in Japan to try to move those negotiations forward. Now, we haven't seen the terms of the deal. We, we're not really sure exactly what all it's going to look like, but we know that agriculture has been part of the conversation, and that's a, that's a good sign. So, uh, you know, Japan, one of the biggest uh, markets and uh, certainly one of the most protected. And, again, this is an example of the administration standing up for agriculture, so that's, uh, that's certainly something we want to continue to encourage. The China trade news is not good right now. How does that impact the beef industry? Well, I think with China <clears> – <throat> You know, we've we've always taken the cautious, uh, cautiously optimistic approach. You know, the or don't hold your breath type thing because uh, the Chinese are really, uh, you know, they're really digging in. 
and so are we. And when you have the two biggest economies in the world squaring off like that, it's not going to make it easy by any means at all. Uh, as far as this later round of tariffs go, I don't think it's necessarily going to hit us as bad as it's as it's hit other commodities, uh, because we're we're pretty much uh, diverted everything to uh, the other Asian markets where we're doing quite well. Um, the big issue with China is is still the non-tariff barriers. We have to do something about the hormone and beta agonist restrictions there. We have to do something about the BSE restrictions into China. And if we can remove those, if we can if we can lift those restrictions, that could be a four billion dollar market for us, and that that would be a tremendous game changer uh, in the cattle market. And that's certainly something we want to see, but that's not going to be an easy task, uh, to say the least. Uh, so I think people need to continue to hold on, uh, and uh, and know that this is this is going to be a bumpy ride for a while, but the payoff could be could be huge. And that's certainly something we want to see, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And Ken, on USMCA, uh, over the weekend I heard a member of Congress from Michigan, I believe it was, uh, talking about it from an auto industry viewpoint and loss of jobs and how she did not like NAFTA and wasn't convinced that this deal was going to be a whole lot better, although she did leave open the the door of uh, trying to make some improvements. But it's a reminder that it's a deal that uh, voices outside of agriculture will have a great say in, right? Well, I think that's the most important thing is to remember that in, in, as part of the ag industry, we have to be the strong voice. We have to be the ones pushing for this because uh, not only do we want to keep the terms of NAFTA that were good for us, we want to see all the other improvements that were made as well. We want to see those sanitary provisions codified, and we want to make sure that uh, it's not just a paper deal, it's something with enforcement in it. And I think that's that's certainly the view that's shared across the board. At the same time, the people who were, who were going to oppose USMCA have been opposed to a lot of trade, so I don't think we could count on them to begin with. But there are uh, a good number of Democrats and even some Republicans who've been hesitant to support trade in the past who are endorsing this and who are supportive of this USMCA because they see this as the, as the model for trade agreements in the future. Uh, for, you know, people could take shots at USMCA all they want to, but this is a vast improvement on um, the enforcement standards, the labor standards, environment standards, as well as, as all the other uh, business terms that were negotiated. So this is kind of the, the, this is the model of how trade agreements should be written, of how uh, trade agreements should be negotiated, and I think... Um, you know, it's important for us to stand up and to and encourage Congress to move on this as quickly as possible. All right, Kent, thanks a lot, and we'll wait to see when we can re- officially pop those corks, okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right, Kent Backus, Senior Director, International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Next, we go to Sturgis, South Dakota, check in on the, the big motorcycle rally. That's next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, Manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Joined now by the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Jeff Cooper, who I know is feeling better about our Cardinals these days. Right, Jeff? Oh, you got it, Mike. I think we've won 10 out of the last 12 games, so things are looking up here in St. Louis. I know you're not feeling so good about uh, these small refinery exemptions. Uh, we're learning more and more about uh, about them and what how EPA came to those decisions, and now we've learned that EPA basically ignored some recommendations from the Department of Energy in granting some of those waivers. That's right, Mike, and, and it seems like uh, with every layer of this onion we peel back on small refiner exemptions, we just keep finding th that the core of that onion is, is more and more rotten than we, we even thought. The real problem we have with all of this is just the utter lack of transparency. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me. Your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The Sturgis Motorcycle Rally underway. That means Robert White, Vice President, Industry Relations for the Renewable Fuels Association, is there. Robert, you've become kind of a fixture out there, haven't you? Yeah, it's kind of been fun. This is our 11th year. Getting a little moisture now from Mother Nature, but uh, Hmm. otherwise a good year already. I remember the first year you went out there, and you uh, (laughs) – you. We're kind of walking into almost, it felt like a hostile environment because there was so much criticism of the use of ethanol in, in motorcycles and concerns about damage to engines and things like that. Uh, but you went right in there and kind of, you wanted to talk with those bike riders and talk with them about how ethanol and motorcycles could go together. Uh, tell us the difference, uh, how your, your message was received 11 years ago and how it's being received now. Well, we've definitely come a long way. We even have a fueling station out here at the Buffalo Chip Campground, which has been our main partner these 11 years, and it's three miles east of the main uh, city of Sturgis. But what's been fun is you have the people that you've won over, the hearts and minds. They've tried the product. They understand more about the benefits of ethanol. They understand more about the changes that we've seen over the years with fuel in general. And it's truly an educational process. You always have new people that you've never seen or talked to before. There's always new folks every year. But just the vibe around the motorcycle community, the vibe around the the rally itself has been positive. And it's been fun to watch that evolution. We have folks that, you know, obviously join us in our efforts. We have members. We have you know, just general enthusiasts that join us every year to help us with the fuel promotion and the other stuff we have going on. And they, too, always comment that every year seems like it's gotten better and better. We've we've actually talked to more folks, so it's fun. Yeah, you've been able to reach a lot of people uh, at that rally over the years, and maybe some have stayed skeptical. As you said, there are some new ones, so maybe with questions, but you have changed some minds. Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the, the first year we were out here, I mean, it was it was uh, spicy to say the least. There was a lot of a lot of misinformation that really had no one pushing back on. And these 
uh, men and women really thought ethanol was destroying, you know, maybe their second most valuable product behind their homes. And we have demonstrated, we've shown the warning statements from the manufacturers. We've shown them that it's not us in many cases. It's one of those things that there's, you know, a lot of people don't even have a personal experience. It's my joke of the best friend, sister's cousin story about ethanol. And so we can demonstrate it. We even give them a free tank of fuel to try it out. And it's worked well. And we've had a great partner with the Buffalo Chip. Okay. Tell us what you'll be doing there this week. So we're headed down to Deadwood here shortly for the Legends Ride. It's a charity event that helps out the Black Hills Special Olympics and the Sturgis Motorcycle Museum, Twisted Sisters, Dee Snyder is the ride captain. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 1 to 4 p.m., we give every motorcycle that comes through a free tank of 93-octane, 10% ethanol. Gives us an opportunity to talk to all those riders and gives them a chance to get any questions they want answered. How are the crowds so far? Uh, crowd was pretty good. Last night was Godsmack and uh, Keith Urban the night before, and uh, definitely te- testing capacity at the Buffalo Chip, so another good year. When you talk with bike riders about ethanol, what, are, what have been some of the questions? I guess, obviously, the big question is, will it hurt my bike? Uh, but what are some of the more interesting questions you've received? Well, there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, we're, we're obviously the national trade group for U.S. ethanol producers. The American Motorcyclist Association is their trade group, and, and they're really about selling membership. So there's a lot of fear out there right now about, especially with the president's announcement and E15 being approved all year, they think E15 is replacing E10. I mean, that's kind of a myth that's being spread around to the boaters and to the motorcycle communities is that, E15 is replacing E10, and then what? Your motorcycle is not approved for E15. So a lot of it is just straightening the misconceptions out around E15 at this point. But there's a lot of people there. You know, there's 16 states that don't label 10% ethanol. So a lot of people don't even know they've been using it all these years. So a lot of it is eye-opening. A lot of it is back to general, uh, you know, education that we've been doing for decades. But this fuel... Uh, E15, E85, they're finding new communities that have never seen those products before, and so it's, it all starts over. Well, you mentioned boaters. I think those have been two areas, uh, two groups, bikers and boaters, that you've really worked hard uh, the last several years to try to reach out to them and, and get them accurate information. There's no doubt about that with our crappie masters' efforts on the boating side and our efforts around Sturgis, the Paul Jr. bike. It's really about uh, what some people don't understand. It's a very small amount of fuel. It's less than 3% of the total fuel sales annually that go into essentially non-vehicles. But everyone that owns a boat, everyone that owns a motorcycle also owns a car, maybe two, maybe three, and other engines. And so it's not about the volume of fuel that goes into those boats and motorcycles. It's about all the rest of them, and they are definitely the most vocal about it too so we we have to you know take all of that into consideration all right so some uh, big names up on the stage it sounds like uh, this week now you you usually get up on stage too don't you yeah that's gonna be a a fun week i'm I'm still trying to figure out how snoop dog is gonna perform in front of a you know a hundred thousand bikers but i'm looking forward to it yeah we're up on stage every night before the uh the headliners and we kick out some beach balls and we talk about ethanol on on stage in front of about 
Oh, 50 to 100,000 folks each night uh, for about three minutes. So it's it's one of those experiences that's hard to forget. Yeah, you and Snoop Dogg on the stage. That, that should be interesting. I want to see that picture. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure you get it. Okay. <laughs> Robert, thanks a lot. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. All right. Robert White, Vice President, Industry Relations for the Renewable Fuels Association, out in Sturgis at the Big Bica rally this week promoting ethanol. Well, that wraps it up for today. We'll be talking more tomorrow about the China situation and much, much more. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA.